Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy, howdy, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. This episode, if my calculations are correct, is the first episode. It might call it an anniversary episode. I, I Looking back, I cannot believe that I'm over 150 episodes and just now entering the fourth year of this. Um, man, I, I really sometimes can't believe it. There's, there's another podcast that I found before I started mine called The Guitar Podcast. And the guy had exactly 150 episodes. And I thought, man, I will never, never get to 150 episodes. Well, I've done it, and we're just continuing on. And I'm continuing on thanks to the support of the patrons over on Brad. Oh, is it Patreon? Let's see. What is the actual address? Patreon.com slash Bradley Laird. You patrons, thank you. I would thank you all by name, but... You know who you are. I will do that in a future episode. Rattle off the names of the the club over there. And also, I would like to thank everyone who has visited my website at bradleylaird.com and enjoyed the various free materials and also anyone who has purchased any of my instructional material. Again, I'm blown away by the fact that I'm still sitting here doing this and, you know, three or four times a day, I have thought about quitting the whole thing. No, I'm just kidding about the three or four times a day, but it seems sometimes like a one-way street, you know, and I wonder, is there anybody really getting any value out of this? Then I'll get an email from somebody just, just when I'm about to throw in the towel, I'll get an email from going, Hey, I really liked that episode you did on blah, blah, blah. And by the way, I, you know, I'm a patron supporter and, you know, I'm chipping in $2 a month or whatever. And I'm like, all right, it's working. I'm taking over the world like Pinky in the Brain or something. Okay, so today is going to be just a little freewheeling mind exercise, which I am so prone to do. And you ever been around those people that just seem to gripe and complain all the time? I think I, in the last episode, I did a little bit of griping and complaining. I, I listened back to that thing and I was like, you, you, it's you, you're wrong and all that stuff. I think what is important is to balance things. That if, you've, if you have gripes, well, then you also have praise. Yin and yang, you know, it's... Day, night, light, dark. You should balance. You cannot live in a world that is leaning too heavily towards one side, the negative, or the positive. I cannot stand to be around people who are 100% all the time positive about everything. It's just like eating too much sugar. It's like, God, do you ever see some of the stuff that is not good, you know? I mean, I guess maybe they balance out, you know, the people who see nothing but the negative, you know, in a group setting. But I think it's important. I often do the pros and cons of a certain subject. I thought today 
I'm going to just see how rapidly I can scratch out a list of 10 things that I think are wrong with bluegrass. Bluegrass. What's wrong with bluegrass? I'm going to 10 things that just gripe me. Just whatever comes to mind. And I scratch out a little list. Then I immediately thought, well, but there's a lot of things I love about bluegrass too. So I'm going to do a list of 10 things that I just love about bluegrass. So this is the yin and yang, the positive and negative, as I see it, of bluegrass. So I'm just going to kind of roll through this list. And I'm suggesting that you listen to my nonsense to inspire you to perhaps do some similar analysis of your playing, your life, your whatever. Look at the good, look at the bad, weigh them, and try to get them in balance. And you're free to disagree with any of my theories that I will put forth today. This all, I wrote all of this down in under 15 minutes, so they're not very well thought out. But I think the fact that they bubble to the surface and points that made the list of 10, 10 gripes and 10 praises, uh, they must be pretty important because they pop to the top of my head. So here we go. First, I'm going to give you the bad stuff, the things that I think are wrong with a lot of bluegrass, not all of it. I mean, uh, this is not some blanket statement. I'm not saying everybody is item one. No, I'm just saying I don't like these things when I see them happening in the bluegrass world. And sometimes I've done some of those things. I'm going to admit that. And I don't like it when I reflect upon it, and then I try to correct it and move on, you know, and go to the other side. So here we go. Item number one, something that just bugs me in bluegrass, is lack of sincerity. And by that, I'm in, in particular, I mean singers, especially singers, and players who sing and play songs with little or no interest in the theme of the song itself. I, I just, it just, you can hear somebody singing a song that means something and they don't mean it. They're not even thinking about it. They're saying the words, they're rattling through the lyrics, means nothing. It's just, these are the words of the song and this is what I sing and they, everything, it, it, it's lacking in authenticity and sincerity. Not everyone is that way. There are some people singing some songs or playing your solos and your, the style of your playing. This includes playing too. But it's, to me, it's easier to identify in singers who are singing this song and it's about this subject, whatever it is. And... You know, they've never even considered, sat down and thought about what they are really singing about. That bugs me, you know. I, I'm not even going to give any examples. I, I want you to go out and find your own examples. And frankly, you see this from the top to the bottom of the echelons of bluegrass hierarchy. But you see it more near the bottom 
and in the middle. You know, you go to a jam session, you're going to see people singing songs with a lack of feeling or a lack of understanding. Or sometimes you just think, I'll bet you've never actually gone through that. I'll bet you've never really thought about, like the words, there is no light in the window. I did. In fact, now that I'm I'm reminded that I did a whole podcast about this topic. So let me not dwell on item number one, lack of sincerity or just not caring about what in the heck the song is, the, the message of the song. You know, I don't really care. I'm just saying it. I'm going through the motions and isn't this fun? That's number one, really gripes me. Number two, a lack of respect or even interest in the history, not only of bluegrass, but of where bluegrass came from and why it even exists as an art form and the type of people and the, the, the daily activities that they were going through in those times. I, I guess what I'm saying is it gripes me when I encounter people who are big bluegrass fans and, you know, maybe they're participating or they're a, they're a listener and they don't know anything about this or very little. You know, that person who bluegrass music began with the first really cool bluegrass band they saw at some show or festival. And it all goes forward from there and there is no past, no past. And bluegrass has a past. So that's number two, lack of respect or even interest in the history. And it even goes back before bluegrass. Number three, I'm being Mr. Negative here. So remember, I'm going to get to the positive in a little bit. The it's all good attitude. Because see, that's leaning 100% towards the positive Everything is cool. Everything is fine. It's all good, man. It's all good. I mean, a little bit of that attitude is good because mistakes happen. Sometimes you're jamming with some clunky players who really can't play all that good. And, hey, you know, it's all good. You know, come on. You're doing fine, you know, and all that. I'm, I'm, I'm not dissing positivity. But I'm talking about the it's all, all good. Because, no, it isn't. Some stuff is not good. Some stuff is not all that great. Some stuff kind of stinks. Some stuff is really rotten, you know. And the great thing about being a human being is you get to decide which it is. That's, that's cool. But for me, you know, I've been in bluegrass jam sessions and in bands and things like this where there was an attitude, you know, of it's all good. And I was thinking, no, it ain't. It ain't all good. This is not good. What we're doing right now, this is not good. You know, so that, that's one thing, you know, balance. This is good. That is not so good, you know. And you, of course, to be successful in playing bluegrass as an ensemble form of music, you must come to a meeting of the minds or at least some compromises so that, you know, you can actually do something that is believed to be good by all of the participants and hopefully some of the audience. Number four, what's wrong with a lot of bluegrass? People, 
Uh, this, I'm going to use a lot of alliteration, a lot of the letter P. I'm going to be careful to not pop the microphone. People playing in public when these people should practice in private. So playing in public when you probably ought to be practicing in private. And, you know, a lot of people just don't know, you know, they think it's, it's cool to show up at a jam and they don't know, literally don't know anything or barely anything. And they're jamming away playing that. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a way to learn. Um, but you have to come to the realization at some point that you don't know much and that to do this good, you need to get better. You know, that practice in private thing. Practice in private, then go play in public. Oh, God, I hate to see a band that you're like, well, I, I really hate to see bands who practice in public, you know. <laughs> Get up on stage and run through it about four times, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, stop and restart. All you're doing is announcing to the audience that you don't care enough about it to actually rehearse, you know. <laughs> or you don't care enough about it to actually tune or learn your vocal parts. I mean, have, has any of you, you know, like you five people ever noticed that, you know, like two of y'all are both singing the tenor? Has that ever crossed your mind? You know, so playing in public when you should practice in private. Hey, and I'm all for jamming and playing in public and all that. I, you know, I get all that. I just don't like to see... I've gone to you know some festivals where it would they didn't pay the bands and basically any group of warm bodies with a band name could sign up and be on the festival and heard some great stuff and heard some really rotten stuff too and I'm thinking do they know do they know how bad they are and there would be little gems I mean nobody is completely totally rotten you know I'm not saying there isn't anything good in anything you know uh, anyway so that's number four number five the it's all about me attitude and this is you know people that show up and they they just want to play it like all the time they're doing backup fills constantly you know uh, oh. instead of thinking about okay i hear i hear the banjo player playing his little lick and i'm just gonna back off and when he kind of finishes that, then maybe I'll come in with my little lick, you know? So I'm sitting over here in Columbus right now, a little sidebar. And I'm not in my usual squeaky chair. And I just noticed that this stool, it's, it has its own little squeak. So I hope that is not bothering you too much. Me and these squeaky chairs. Anyway, the it's all about me attitude. Like, I been all week working on this really cool lick and I am going to play it about 35 times during the first set, you know, because it's all about me. You know, I, I want to hear it and I want to, you know, no, it's not all, all about you. The best bluegrass bands I've ever heard, the band made it all about whoever was presently in the spotlight, be it the singer or be it a trio harmony or be it a fiddle solo or a dobro solo, where all of the other members instantly throw the switch to, it's all about him, her. It's that shining the spotlight in various places and 
during this section, which is most of the, you know, the majority of every song is not about you. And if you're a bass player, it's pretty much the whole song, you know, it is not your time to show off, practice your licks, see how many runs you can throw in, that kind of thing. If you're doing that, you've kind of got a little bit of that, it's all about me and my, you know, I've heard bass players say, well, it's just boring to sit there and go, boom, 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 it's just boring. So I try to dress it up, and I put in a, a lot of runs and a lot of this and that, you know, boopity, boopity, boopity stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but are you, it's not all about you, man. You know, some bluegrass bass is pretty boring, but it sure helps, you know, the sound of the other people. Okay, so that's it. I'm not into the it's all about me attitude. Number six, and we'll soon be nearing the end of the negative side of bluegrass. It's just what I call lack of consideration. People getting together, whether in a band situation, recording, jamming, uh, and, and just having a lack of the ability to put themselves in the shoes of the other person. Certainly, we've all been guilty of this. I am guilty of it from time to time. And luckily, to prove I'm not some psychopath or sociopath, I actually feel bad about it. You know, when I notice I'm doing it, like being inconsiderate for someone else. You know, maybe, you know, you're, you're getting set up and the guitar player is tuning and, and you're you've already tuned and you're playing your banjo or your dobro and you're kind of running through some little licks and warming up, trying to get them old fingers going and stuff and not even taking into consideration at all that the guitar player is there struggling to hear the tuning that he's attempting to do with his guitar because you think, well, you know, I just look at the meter and the meter says I'm right and now I can jam really loudly while the guitar player who smartly doesn't completely trust the tuner, but would like to actually be in tune. And you're, you know, you're drowning him out. You know, it's sort of like lack of consideration like that. Or you've got a long story. You've just been dying to tell all week. And, you know, you, right in the middle of it, you just start talking to the bass player and telling this story. And, you know, it's, you know, you got to look at lack of consideration for the other musicians. And also let's just add in the audience. If, if you're habitually jamming or just playing in a semi-public situation where it's not a real show, but it kind of sort of is, there's two or three people out there, well, have some consideration for them. Consider doing their requests. Consider saying thank you at the end, you know, when they clap, when those two guys clap, you know, say thank you. Acknowledge their existence, you know, that kind of thing. Number seven, just a very minor gripe. Small speakers, little dinky speakers in iPhones and uh, iPods, little little small speakers. They don't sound good. I mean, I cannot enjoy the full spectrum of audio listening on these little rinky-dink speakers. Um, you know, I don't like to listen to bluegrass on small speakers. Number eight, what's wrong with a lot of bluegrass Cheapskates, cheapskates in the bluegrass community and in the audience, and who who run you know bars and taverns and all this stuff. Just I, I have no patience for people who don't see the value in 
you got to pay the fiddler, you know? I'm not talking about you got to, you know, give up your life savings and cash out your 401k to pay the fiddler, you know, so that he can buy a, a Jaguar or something. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about cheapskates that won't even throw a nickel in your tip bucket. And, and people who want you to play for exposure and, you know, they'll come and look at your CD, but they sure ain't going to buy it, you know, because I can get it on YouTube for free. You know, I, cheapskates bother me. Number nine, the, well, you know, I, I just want to play along a little bit crowd, you know, that attitude of like, it's like, I pretty much know I stink and I'm pretty much always going to stink, but I still want to play. I still want to jump in there and play with you. And, you know, and <laughs> come on, you can get better. Anybody can get better. Just apply yourself a little bit, have the attitude of, I would like to improve and you will improve. You know, I don't like to hang around people that, that I don't mind people who play bad. What I mind are people who play bad and say, well, you know, I, I just want to play along a little bit. It doesn't bother me that I play out of tune and out of time and my instrument sounds like crap. And, you know, but it's so much fun for me. It kind of goes back to the, it's all about me thing. Look, anybody can improve, get busy, improve. Okay. That's the number nine. Here comes number 10, just a minor bugging thing. People who come into the bluegrass community and they value the instruments themselves over the ability to play said instruments. You know, maybe if I bought a better mandolin, maybe if I got this RQ Jones Dobro, you know, maybe then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instruments, 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 but hey, let me hear you play, you know? Okay, so now let us turn the page to the positive side of bluegrass, the things I love about bluegrass. And again, I'm suggesting to you, sit down and do this for yourself. Say, because a lot of people are involved in things and then they've never really considered why. Like, hmm, what is it I like about, you know, this? And what I, what I don't like about it? So here we are. We have now turned the page onto the positive side. What I love about bluegrass. Number one, I love the sound of good bluegrass music. Jackson and I have been burning up the roads back and forth between Americas and Columbus, Georgia, many times per week. And we got about an hour, so I've been packing along CDs for us to listen to. You know, this, this is something different today. Asleep at the wheel and you know, all kind of stuff. Kind of, you know, expose Jackson to some different things. And sometimes it's classical. Sometimes, you know, who knows? There's no telling what we might pull out. I'll grab three or four and we'll run through them. But there's something about the sound of bluegrass that just gets me going. Gets my motor revved. I don't know what it is. And there's a particular kind of bluegrass that just will knock me out. And at some point in the past, in, in the mid to early 70s, I heard this, and it still afflicts me. I, there's just, we were listening to an album by David Greer. David came to uh, a place called the Freight Room in Decatur, Georgia. This is back probably in late 90s. Played a show there. And we went and, you know, hanging out in the audience and watching David Greer. And I want to say maybe he had Mike Compton with him, but I don't remember. Seemed like it was just a duo, two guys, maybe. I don't remember. But after the show, I was talking to 
David and bought his CD. See, I was trying not to be a cheapskate. Bought his CD, and it's called Freewheeling. And it's an all-instrumental album. By the way, David Greer is one of my favorite guitar players. Just amazing guy. And by the way, his father, Lamar Greer, who I think just recently passed away, was one of Bill Monroe's banjo players. So he's got some, David's got some bluegrass credentials for sure. And what a great picker. Just amazing guitar player. He probably plays a bunch of other stuff too, if I'm, you know, like most bluegrass players, but I don't know that. Anyway, so we're listening to this CD. Hearing the first tune go. And Jackson says, oh, I really like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I like it too. That's really good playing, but there's something about it that just bugs me. It's, and, you know, here I am, you know, I got I to gotta weigh everything, the good and the bad. And Jackson's like, well, I really like that. And I was like, I don't know. There's something about like the, the bass part. It's, it's not steady. It's like boop, de boop, de boop, boom, boom, boom. It's like this, it's a little too, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And we debated this. He's like, well, I like it. I think it sounds great. Then the next track comes on. And I was like, nah, Jackson, that, that, ooh, that's it. That's the sound right there. Oh, my God. That, that's the bluegrass sound right there. So, you know, it's like track two. I'm like, this is the sound. That's what I'm talking about. I love the sound. And it's especially got to do with that rhythm. He does a track on there. He's got Stuart Duncan playing fiddle on there. He does a track and they did some twin fiddles. And it sounds like Bill Monroe with Baker and, you know, whoever. Oh, man, when I heard that, I'm like, this is it. This is it. Listen to this, Jackson. This is this is the one. This is the sound. This this track. I forget the name of the track. Anyway, love that about bluegrass, the sound. Number two thing I love about bluegrass is friendships. I've run into people, uh, people that I met at a festival in 1977, and I'll go to a festival in the same general area, and, hey, there's the same guy. Hey, what's going on, Luther? How you doing, man? You know, and it's as if, you know, you've, you only see these people once a year, twice a year, once every five years, once every 10 years, but there's friendships. It's a, it is a community, and I love the friendships made within the Bluegrass community. You know, how many people who went to Bonnaroo, you know, went back five years later and bumped into a couple of people that they saw, you know, at the last thing? No. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that does happen. I don't know. But it definitely happens in bluegrass. You form lifelong friendships with these other nutcases who think bluegrass is the coolest thing that ever happened. Number three, things I love about bluegrass. I love the optional low-tech nature of it, you know, the acousticness of it, that I could have, let's pick out Dale McCurry, third time out, somebody like that. I could invite them into this room where I'm sitting right now, and they just bring in with their cases and open them up and strap on their instruments to start playing, and it would sound great. You don't have to plug in. I love it. It's low-tech. It's acoustic. You could move move them back. I, I've often wondered what would Beethoven think of the Del McCurry band if he could just they walk into a parlor at uh, you know some prince's um, castle or something and Dell starts off you know saying whatever. 
the sound would be the same. I, you can't do that with Pink Floyd or, you know, <laughs> you name them. If it requires lots of chords and plugins and speakers and amps and stuff, and I like all that stuff. But what I love about bluegrass is it is not required. It's a very low-tech form of music. Number four thing I love about bluegrass is this deep, true love for bluegrass that is proven by anybody who plays it for an extended period of time. There are people who get into bluegrass and then get out of bluegrass. They're not proven that they, they, they feel that same thing you feel when you hear track four off of freewheeling or whatever. But the people that get in it and stay in it until the day they die, that proves to you they love it. And I like that. Because it also proves it's sure not about the money. You know, you know somebody that plays bluegrass their whole life, uh, they didn't do it for the money. Uh, number five thing I love about bluegrass are the instruments. They're just cool. They're just cool instruments. I told my wife last night, I said, you know, I was talking to her about if you had a little store, you know, like you were walking down the street and there was a store and this was your store. And I guaranteed that it was already making a profit at the exact uh, pay level that you now receive at your current job. And over the door, it said, Darlene's Place. And I said, what would be on the door? What would be that business? Would it be flowers, flower arranging? Would it be cakes? Would it be knickknacks? Would it be used books? Would it be a coffee shop? If you could imagine this ideal place, if somebody could just plant you in there and say, you won't starve and you'll be doing the thing you love, what would your store be? What would your little thing be? And... Uh, I, I said, and just to give you an idea, I know that if that happened to me, if somebody said, look, uh, here's the storefront, all the stuff, we're going to just, you can go over there and hang around all day long. I know that the walls would be covered with weirdo instruments, primarily acoustic bluegrass instruments, fiddles, dobros, banjos, bass fiddles, and I'd be back in the back, you know, making a nut for a guitar or something. That, that's what I do. Cause I told her, look around this house. There's stuff laying everywhere. You got banjos hanging all over the walls and dulcimers. And clearly, I think I've proven that I love these old, these instruments. I just love the bluegrass instruments. And if you don't, you're, you're in the wrong thing. You know, if you love electric guitars, go play that stuff. So that's number five. I love the instruments in bluegrass. Number six. I love the odd juxtaposition of like the peppy tempos and the high keys and the, you know, the kind of like frantic um, tempos and things like mixed with these dark themes and, you know, heart wrenching ideas. I find that really fascinating. You know, it's the yin and yang all in one package. Listen to Old Home Place. Most people sing it and play it and they don't feel any like melancholy. Um, I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for is. My internal thesaurus just went belly up. Um, but it's packaged in a, in a kind of cool little tune. And most of the time when I hear people play Old Home Place, 
it just sounds like some tune that goes, you know, from a G to a B to a C to to a G. And I was like, is anybody thinking about the old home place and what it means to the person that wrote it? That's getting back to that griping thing. I'm not griping. What I like is that this occurs, that a song has both qualities in it, you know? So I like that juxtaposition. It's the first time I ever used that word twice in one podcast. The seventh thing I love about bluegrass is kind of the insiderness, the the insider's club that it is. Because you got, you know, if you're into bluegrass, you're you're in a special little category because most people are not into bluegrass at all. And let me just add this prayer to the creator of the universe, please creator let it never go totally mainstream i mean i want people to make a living you know i like the fact that ricky skaggs went country and did a bunch of bill monroe and stanley brothers tunes and stuff that was that's cool that's cool but please don't let the mainstream totally get their hands all over bluegrass because i'm sure it would get completely wrecked and messed up and people would start selling out just as rapidly as they could sign up to cash in on that thing they're now calling bluegrass so please let it never go mainstream you get to be in the little insiders club if you're a bluegrasser number eight i god i do dearly love festivals i love the outdoors i love camping i love hanging out cooking making breakfast and picking till three in the morning especially give me a festival where there's camping and at least eight or ten jam sessions going constantly. A real jam-friendly festival. I love it. <laughs> That's I love that. Number nine thing I love about bluegrass is the sort of DIY stuff that goes on in bluegrass. I can't tell you how many times I've run into people and, man, where'd you get that guitar? Oh, I made it. Really? No kidding. You made that? Dang. That's, here, can I try that out? People making their own mandolins, carving their own bridges. You know, I'm surprised people aren't spinning their own wound strings and stuff. There probably are people that do that. I love the homemade, the D, the DIY, the do-it-yourselfer type thing. You know, I love seeing a guy at a festival with a washtub bass. The guy made the thing. You know, he didn't buy it off of Amazon. <laughs> I, I ran into a guy one time that made his own homemade bass. I mean, it was a bass fiddle, a three-quarter size bass fiddle. Looked, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good. I owned that thing for a little while and sold it to a friend of mine, a guy named Roland. I like that. I like that DIY stuff. I like that, hey, I made my own case, you know, that kind of thing. Or I made this crazy camper, and I go to festivals in it, you know. Uh, last thing, number 10 of the things I love about bluegrass this is kind of interesting. It, bluegrass, maximizes, I like when people maximize their creativity within this sort of rigid set of rules or guidelines for what is bluegrass. And I'm reminded that it is like a sonnet. You know, poetry today, I, I'm just going to tell you, I don't like poetry today. It's not poetry, just to write down a bunch of random stream of consciousness thoughts and, you know, write them in phrases in a column where it's like 
halfway down the page and it's actually just a sentence. And poetry is not the arrangement of letters and words on a page. I guess what I'm saying is I like poems that rhyme and that have some sort of fixed form, like a sonnet. A sonnet has a form. And if you wrote a good sonnet, it followed the form and it stayed within the rules of the of the sonnet form, but you can say anything you want to. You can use any words you want. You can paint any picture. You can create any mood. Any, you can say what you want to, but you do it within the form. And if you violate the form, it ain't a sonnet. And that's sort of how I look at bluegrass. I mean, you know, the, the edges are a little bit rubber. You know, you can stretch the boundaries. You can put your toe over, you know. I get that. I get that. But if you completely violate the rules and say there are no rules, but I'm still going to call it bluegrass, well, I disagree with you on that. Just like I disagree. I would disagree that a stream of consciousness poem, you know, at some poetry jam, and the guy calls it sonnet number 12. I mean, like, look, dude, that is not a sonnet, okay? A sonnet has a certain form, 14 lines, okay? You got your first quatrain, four lines. Each line contains 10 syllables. 10 syllables, 10 syllables, 10 syllables, 10 syllables. And some sort of rhyming pattern, let's just say A, B, A, B. That's the first quatrain. Then you do the second quatrain. It's the similar form, same form. Four lines, 10 syllables per line, A-B-A-B -A -B rhyming pattern. You know, you could be doing A-A-B-B, but it's going to rhyme, and it's going to be 10 syllables. Then the third quatrain. Four lines, all 10 syllables, A-B-A-B -A -B rhyming pattern. And then the final, the punchline, the two lines at the end. I forgot what you call that. Now, the two lines, each 10 syllables long, rhymes AA that's more or less it and it's the punchline you know the first quatrain sort of sets the stage the second one presents the problem or the 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 puzzle the third one resolves it and the fourth one gives you the moral of the story that's a good sonnet and I'm so arrogant that I think I've read all of Shakespeare's sonnets and you know maybe it's just because I didn't live in that time period and I don't fully understand the you know the use of the language but frankly I think my sonnets are better than Shakespeare's at least I think I've written one or two that were I one time just to see if I could do it you know like a, see if I could write a fiddle tune you know kind of thing I sat down and I wrote seven sonnets now I never wrote another one but I uh, one or two of them were pretty good if I do say so myself. I might even close the show today with one of my sonnets. In fact, I will. Let's see if I can remember it. Here we go. <clears throat> this is, I believe, sonnet number seven, <laughs> the final one. And, and you can count the syllables. So you can see that I follow the form. And this is what I like about bluegrass. You follow the form. Follow the form, play whatever you want to. Sing about whatever you want to, but follow the form, more or less, you know. <clears throat> my sonnet. <laughs> it seems I am too much with painful dread, the rampant running of my mind alone, dripping like a faucet discontented, incessant beats its mournful drumming tone. 
surrounded by a mind-numb, droning lot, intent on nothing more than fantasy. With wooden smiles they weave a hidden knot, which binds my soul in endless misery. Relief, I cry, when who should then appear? The dearest friend my heart could dare request. She lights the lamp of warmth and boundless cheer, forgotten for eternity the rest. What good are stones we skip across the sea without someone to share their romping glee? See, that beats Shakespeare. Okay. <laughs> All right, so y'all go out and write a sonnet, play a bluegrass song, and have a great week. <laughs>